I'm going to change my room, Cora decided. I don't like this room. I've never liked it. William had said this was to be her room. His room was at the other side of the house. It was hardly the normal arrangement for married couples. But William wanted it that way, and she knew why. As if thought of her husband had called him up, the door opened and he came in, carrying a small tray. Here we are, he said. He put the tray down on the table by the lamp. I handed over Perkins's prescription. Baxter gave me this. Cora turned her head so that she could see the familiar little bottle with its handwritten label, Laudanum, and beneath this, in brackets, Tincture of Opium. Baxter tells me there are new things coming along now for pain such as toothache. I told him you preferred to stick with what you knew. He paused as if expecting she would say something. When she didn't, he went on briskly, Well, there's a jug of water, a glass and a teaspoon. Do you want to take it now? He stretched out his hand to the bottle. Cora rolled her head from side to side on the pillow in negation. She just wished he'd go away. She knew how to dox herself. The laudanum had been a friend for a long time now one she could turn to in the depths of the black depression which haunted her. She would sleep undisturbed by the raging inflamed gum around the empty socket where the tooth had been. Yet even the prospect of sleep filled her with a prickle of apprehension. Recently, her sleep had been beset with nightmares. In despair, she asked herself, if awake or asleep, she was never to have peace. Very well, then, William said. He stooped and planted a passionless kiss on her damp forehead. Good night. As he walked to the door, she found her voice and called, William! He turned, his hand on the doorknob, his dark eyebrows raised. Even in her present distress, she thought how handsome he was. She understood bitterly how a feather-headed seventeen-year-old, such as she had been when they'd met, could have fallen in love with him fallen so completely for a man who was completely rotten through and through. She said, as clearly as she could through the swelling and pain, I intend to dismiss Daisy in the morning. Doesn't she care for the boy properly? His voice was cold. I don't like her attitude. In what way? Even though he stood in the shadows, she could see the contempt on his face, hear it in his voice. He must think I'm stupid, she thought. But she was in too much pain to argue. Instead, she said, You have made me an object of pity and ridicule in the eyes of everyone who knows us. You're talking nonsense, he said briefly. He opened the door. It's too much, Cora said, her tongue moving with difficulty in her mouth. Not again, William. I won't stand for it again. He didn't answer, and as he moved through the open door, she called. There must be an end to it, William. She had dared to use the word he couldn't abide. He swung back. Must. Driven by her pain and despair, she retorted. I shall seek a separation. She saw the corner of his mouth twitch, as if he was going to smile. But all he said was... Perhaps in the morning you'll make more sense.
and then he was gone. Good night then, Mr Watchett, said Martha Button. She closed the kitchen door on the gardener and locked it. For good measure, she then shot the bolts top and bottom, and having done this, checked the window. Having satisfied herself that none but the most determined intruder could get into the kitchen, she cast a look of satisfaction around the room. The kitchen range needed a good going over with black lead, but Lucy could do that in the morning. Keep the girl occupied. Mrs Button's eagle eye fell on the two glasses on the table and the sherry bottle. She put the bottle away in the cupboard and rinsed the sherry glasses, dried them and put them away too. After a moment's hesitation, she gathered up the small plate on the table and rinsed that. All these things could also have been left for Lucy to do, but there was something...